Good morning and welcome to Revelation Hour uh, this morning. It's lovely to uh, to have you here. As I can see here, we have Reverend Les with us. You know, say hi. <laughs> morning, let me just try to unmute him first of all. Hi, good morning, Les. Good morning. How are you? Well, I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Well, it's lovely today. We hope today that we will have a wonderful show in your presence. Uh, it's very nice to have you with us um it's, it's a pleasure it's a pleasure but why don't we pray first and uh, get started straight away thank Would you. you like to pray my darling father we just thank you so much for this day we thank you that this is the day that you have made and we can rejoice and be glad in this day we're thankful father for everything that you are doing and that you're about to do father i pray that you will put the words in our mouths father the things that are on your heart father they will be our heart also and for everyone who's listening that they will receive that which you have for them in terms of the solutions or the resolutions or the things that you want them to want to speak to them with regards to their their place and the times and the seasons that we are in father what you want them to do and how you want them to be placed and also the things in terms of just being able to actually receive times types of healing or deliverance if that's what is needed mm. so father we just pray that you will speak to our hearts each one of us this morning and you'll put the words in our mouths and you'll give us peace and we'll be able to hear very clearly from you this morning thank you holy spirit we pray in jesus name amen hey. amen. Amen, amen 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 you're looking good sir thank you thank you lo lo love the goatee love the goatee <laughs> well my, my my son said it, it makes me look mature. I did have a beard, mm. and I went to him and said, "Look, just shake me up." And he took the beard off, and I said, "Son, okay, can I take your beard off now?" So I think between my wife and my daughter, they they like it, and I'm thinking, shall I cut it? We're coming out of lockdown, and um, I'm under a lot of pressure, so please do pray for me. <laughs> looking good, looking oh, good. This is brilliant. Uh, well, it's it's lovely again. Thank you so much for being with us. I know that you have a, you're quite, you're quite a busy man, and uh, rightly so. There's a lot of things. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Revelays is the uh, uh, CEO and founder of Ascension Trust, and Assassin Trust responsible for so many uh, initiatives such as street pastor, um, school pastor. You know what? I stopped at school pastor. I went to the website and I realized that there were so many things. And Reverend Lace said, that's because you haven't been looking. And there's so many things that has been happening over the last few years. has been uh, tremendous. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the organization Assassin Trust, what it stands for and what you guys are doing? Well, um, Assassin Trust has been going now 28 years. And um, the strap line for it, our ethos is to equip people to serve. And that's what we really seek. We recognize that in the church, in the community, there's a lot of people who are gifted, talented. And um, we just felt it's important for us to train them up, equip them to serve. So over the last 17 years, we have 
uh, equipped over 15,000 people across the British Isles um, to serve on the streets between 10 o'clock at night to 4 in the morning. Um, over the last 15, 16 years, we have served uh, and, and, and um, trained up to 5,000 school pastors um, to really serve in local schools. And then we have people now we've trained up over the last two and a half years to stand on the platform of train stations, to ride on trains, looking for people who may be thinking about committing suicide. We call them rail pastors. And then we have the Synergy Network where we bring organizations and churches and, and individuals who are working with young people to tackle serious youth violent crime. And we bring them together. And it's been really good just working with organizations like London City Mission, Southern Diocese, Churches Together in Britain and Ireland, uh, Church of God of Prophecy, and, and others will come on and says we want to be part of this and we've really got a good strategy to help empower and equip people to help um, stem this violent crime and we are currently working on five two medics where um, as a response to covid19 where we've got doctors um, mental health workers nurses and we are really sort of working with them to provide education, well-being um, talks, um, mental health talks. And in fact, this morning, we've got one of those on. Um, and this morning, our, our speaker um, is Olu. Um, a lot of you would know Olu Arunde. And um, Olu's a fantastic guy, helping people to understand what's happening in terms of mental health, help to recognize how you could, you know, really um, watch yourself and look after yourself so that you don't go into deep mental health. So those are just some of the things that we're doing, John Mark, and mm -hmm. I could go on, but I won't. But people <laughs> should visit the website and they can see um, more of the things that we're involved in. But let's have a look at this website here as um, as we um, just looking at here. There's quite a lot of engagement and that's all the initiatives here. If you guys want to see it, uh, as uh, Reveler has mentioned it, there's so many uh, involvement in it and and if you have a passion for it for any of those initiatives i'm sure they can contact you uh if i'm correct yeah okay uh looking into the current climate now i mean we've been through over the last it's been over 100 days and of um of being on lockdown and obviously things are beginning to relax a little bit now one of the questions that many of our listeners been asking us is what is the what was the church response during first of all the COVID nineteen, then through the lockdown and now the response through easing of the of the actual lockdown? So I'm just wondering whether you'd be able to touch on those three three points. And obviously our listeners are here. And if you have any question uh, relevant, we've got until uh, ten forty five. Uh, as same Reverend will be leading up straight to the next event as well. So if you have any question, please put it on the chat, and we will try to respond as many questions as we can with the time given to us. But in relation to this new climate that the, you know we've been in, and the lot of things has been talking about, the church has been slow to respond, especially when the COVID nineteen kind of hit us a little bit by surprise and the lockdown. So what was do you believe what was the church response to to those events? You know, I always say that the church 
has done is doing some fantastic things. Mm -hmm. However, the church's PR has been useless. We fail to communicate effectively and widely to the nation um, and to people outside of our own network of what we're doing. And that's been a real the down, um, downside of the church. Now, you may know or may not know that um, both Louise and I were stuck in Ghana for a little while. Mm. And it was for a little while. And, um, but I was in touch with uh, people, organizations, whilst I was in Ghana. Um, one of the things that was launched was something called Your Neighbor. Mm. And uh, well over 1,500 churches signed up to that. And it was a pledge by churches to say that we are here and willing to serve our community. I think we probably got up to 2,000 churches across the United Kingdom. But <clears throat> there was a meeting with government, and that was presented to say to the government, listen, to the Minister for Community, the churches are ready and are willing and are able to sign up. Now, some of the things the church would do, distributing food, mm. delivering food, helping in terms of homeless people. You know, the, the government developed a strategy, you know, to get all homeless people into guest house and mm. hotels. Mm. Well, the church was working alongside them to help give partial cares to people in the hotels or the guest room. And for some people, being in a room like that, because they've been sleeping outside for years, it was quite difficult. So the church was helping partial care. So they were going out on the streets um, during the day, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, mm -hmm. and helping delivering food, making sure people are okay. And so things like that, the churches were involved in. Mm -hmm. They ran delivery services. They were volunteering for crisis because crisis had centers and they needed volunteers. So members of the church, local churches were involved and engaged in that. Mm. So there's been quite a significant food bank. You must recognize that food bank is run, is run by the church mm. largely. Mm. And so they've been feeding thousands and thousands of people across the United Kingdom mm. out of church buildings, out of halls. Um, up and down the country. So the church has been doing a lot of things. However, the church hasn't been really good at promoting mm. what they're doing. Mm. Some churches have got sheltered accommodation uh, for homeless people. They've been doing that. They've been doing this before the lockdown and during the lockdown. Mm. So I hope that helps you. Now, we're coming out of lockdown. Obviously, these things are, um, are running still. Um, I know that I'm going to be in a meeting next week where we're talking about post-lockdown mm. and considering the economic climate that we are in, and, and we, you know, we, probably, we may go into a deep recession, mm. but we are talking about how can the church um, be part of the solution mm. um, for now and for the um, next year or so ahead. So those discussions are taking place. But unfortunately, we don't get to hear about them on Channel 4 News or BBC News. Mm. I suppose we've got to develop our own platforms mm. and social medias uh, and, and Twitter and all these things that, that 
that can help communicate the message of the church? That is a very, you, you got a question, darling. Um, the thing is, well, it's quite interesting that you said about the church's PR, um, Les, because as you were speaking, even before you were speaking, I was saying, okay, how are these, that was one of my questions, how are these things being communicated so that mm. people know? Because one of the questions that we've had on the show before was, well, we don't really know what the church is doing. Even within Christians don't know what, what's happening within the churches or with the church's response um, because they've been going through particular things psychologically. So, for example, you know, the talk that Olu's doing today, where has it been publicised for people to know about talk to, to about know about actually being involved with it or listening to it? Um, mm. And, and it's, so those are things that were being raised from before in terms of that but also now as you were speaking I'm thinking you said maybe we need to have platforms to communicate this if someone for example we know we probably have people who are specialists in marketing advertising promotion within the church so if they actually mm. wanted to get involved and we wanted to do this what would you suggest how would how we go forward with this I think let me just deal with the wider picture first the mm. wider ramification first I think we have got to do more collaboration as the church, mm. right? We need to be synergizing some more. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things in their corner. There used to be a song they used to sing in the old Pentecostal church, you in my, your corner and I'm in mine. Mm. Now, in the 21st century, that's absurd. And so you're right. I think what needs to happen and that's one of the things that we're working on is how do we bring cross-denomination marketing people, PR people, um, media people, um, comms people, and how do we ensure that these people are talking to each other? Yeah. Okay? So that when we have some very useful information, it's been disseminated to our community. Mm. Yeah. And when I talk about community, I'm not just talking about our local congregation or our denomination. I'm talking about right across the city of London and right across the United Kingdom. Mm. And, but, but not stopping there. The I world. think people need to know globally yeah. that the church in the UK, in London, are doing, this is what they're doing. These are the models they're doing. Can we connect with them to see if we could replicate it here? Or, you know, things like that. Mm. Okay? Excellent. I think we need to do that. I think that that's, there's a massive urgency for that. And you just sparked my mind just asking me that question. <laughs> um, and that is, for me, I'm going to make it a priority to ensure, look at all the comms people across the different denomination and says, hey, comms guys, we need to get together. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, some churches have got it together. Now, I, I do a lot of work with the Anglican Church. Okay. And the Anglican operate in London, north of the river and south of the river. And when we're having meetings to discuss certain things, I have two comms person from the Anglican Church, one from north, one from south. Mm -hmm. Okay. And their job is to communicate not only to themselves, but right across the network. Mm. Plus, they have a publication that all of them read. Mm. Okay? So they have a strategy. Mm. So they have two comms person. They have, they communicated on their various platform 
and they have a communication called the Church Times mm. that the BBC, Channel 4, Sky all pick up and their religious affair guy says, would you like to come on my program? Mm. So we need to have, and I'm going to say we, particularly the charismatic Pentecostals, particularly black people, we mm. need to stop working in silo mm. and cater to ourselves. And we need to be looking at the bigger picture because we can all, all benefit from good communication mm. Mm, fantastic. that's very fantastic um i want to touch on the event that's taking place um the two medic one um can you touch to us can you explain to us the vision behind it and also some of the things that has been taking place during the, the lockdown the five two medics that you know this is event taking place but i think you guys have been doing a lot of work with a lot of doctors as well with the nhs and so on are you able to kind of tell us a little bit more about it yeah, it was interesting because um, when, when we were away and um, we began to talk um, as, as a central church, we began to talk about, hey, look, several things are happening. One, um, churches, um, our organization will not be able to function um, because of this lockdown. What does it mean? So we began to look at that. Um, then we began to look at the impact it's going to have socially on people. Um, and I began to talk um, with uh, Dr. Chichi Ekitov, um, and we began to talk about, um, particularly when I began to read about the fact that a lot of black and Asian minority people were dying far in a far greater number than any other um, racial group. And so, you know, my thing was, well, what can we do? Because yeah. People, I was hearing stories of nurses who were very traumatic about and anxious about going to work. I was hearing nurses um, ringing um, people to say, pray for us. Um, I'm with my colleagues and we are prayed because we've been uh, assigned to certain ward. It was a COVID ward. And we want God to protect us because we know that we are vulnerable. And so I'm thinking, well, if these people are anxious, and feeling vulnerable, who is ministering to them? Who's praying for them? Who's pastoring them? Do they go to church? Mm. Um, who's picking up on this? But secondly, um, they're lacking of PPE. Um, who? What are we doing as a church? So when I hear these things, I go into a very practical mode in terms of what the church can do. Mm. So when we came back, I, I spoke to Dr. Chichi and I said, hey, look, what are we going to do as an organization? And... Um, we began to rally and we rallied with some other friends, um, spoke to a lady called Dr. Joe Myers, um, spoke to Olu and said, look, guys, you know, there's a, there's a challenge within the NHS. What can we do? And it was out of that we said the first we, we met up with um, counselors. In fact, we recognized that there will be um, a need for counseling. So I, I spoke to uh, a bishop who said, look, our church wants to do something. And then I spoke to someone else who runs a counseling service. So if there are people that on your network, on your platform, who need counseling, we've got counselors who will prepare to offer at least two or three free sessions in terms of counseling. Mm -hmm. So I met up with this counseling group. This church wanted to offer free counseling. And this counseling organization said, we will supply 20 of our counselors 
add to whatever other councils you have to offer free service. We've had people from around the country say, I'm a counselor, I'm a trained listener, and I want to offer my service. Mm. So then we said, okay, let's meet with GPs, let's meet with mental health um, workers. And we had about over 20 odd of these people on a Zoom. Mm. But vast majority was African and Caribbean saying, what can we do? We're Christians, we're professionals, what can we do? GPs, what can we do? Mm. And so we began to talk, we produced a video about mental health, about Mental Health Week. And we sent that out to people. Um, we began to talk and we split the folks up into two groups. We had the mental health group and the, uh, the physician group. And uh, we've done webinars with people. Um, in fact, we're doing a big webinar for the whole of Scotland in a, in a few months' time. And, and so we've decided to do this. Now we're offering today, um, last week, Saturday, this week, Saturday, and next week, looking at well-being, looking at mental health. And, and these things we are finished free of charge, particularly to our black um, and Asian community folks. Now, anyone can come into it and, and, and reap the benefit from it, but we recognize they were more vulnerable um, in terms of their work, in terms of whether they were bus drivers, train drivers, whether they were working in a shop floor or whether they're working in a hospital or care center. Mm. So we've done that. And... Majority of us, 99% of us are Christians from different churches saying we want to offer something back to our community. Mm. So that's what that is about. And I'm excited about it because we've come from different denominations. We've, we've come from different walks of life, but we're all born again mm. and saying we want to serve Jesus in a very practical way. That is fantastic. That is just brilliant. Um, I know... You're going to go about 11 o'clock. And as I said, we love people to log in as well. We are, you know, the lockdown is easing now. And, and there's been one of the things that we've been talking about at the beginning is how science kind of defined the way the world makes decisions. Now, yesterday, as I was working, I was listening uh, to Boris Johnson. And he seemed to have a little bit changed his mind, really not listening too much of what the science is saying in terms of direction that the government need to take but really and, and i think it's maybe this experience not only from him being sick but also from knowing that people have been praying very hard for him now as we're coming out of the lockdown how do you think where do you think the church is positioned to be able to have a greater impact we talked about the synergy we talked about the fact that we need a better pr in terms of church how do you think we are positioned now to be able to tell to to the world or to the country we're here to help and not something as you said made done in pockets but doing it as a whole i, I think the the key thing for every congregation denomination is to have a vision and a strategy mm -hmm. now let me just give you an example of the anglican church because i've been working close to them the Archdeacon of London has, over the COVID period, has been cheering and coordinating the, you know, the whole issue of death, um, funeral services, what can be done. And they've been talking with others and feeding in to help the, the government, Boris Johnson and his team, 
to be sensitive to um, people in terms of this time of mourning and grieving, particularly with the various different cultural um, expectations around death. I believe that the church, local churches, have got to position themselves to say, how do we, what role do we play in terms of helping to bring back confidence into communities, into boroughs, into this city? And unless leaders ask themselves that question, it's going to be very difficult. The second thing is, is this. We do have a role to play as the church. We do. And more often than not, there is an empty seat around the table, and that seat is the empty seat of the church. The church needs to be engaged. So every church needs to have a community liaison person. And that's the old person or team. That's the team or persons who are responsible to, to hear, to be involved in what's happening in education, what's happening in social care, what's happening in crime, what's happening in health, okay? And the list goes on. And those persons, because they're around the table, they're able to feed into the church's vision and strategy of how the church could respond to help the local community, borough, or the city. And unless we think like that, then there'll be a perception that all what we're doing is looking after ourselves. Just give you an example. Um, when we were talking about lockdown, at the height of the possibilities of coming back out, I know that a good number of my friends and brothers and colleagues, pastors, signed a letter and sent a letter to the government, which got good publicity, saying that they want the church to reopen. Okay? Now, that's a good thing. That's an important thing. Because the only way you're going to really get the ear of government is if you really do something like that. Okay? And... The feedback of the general public and community, well, why is it that our leaders are talking about a church opening rather than talking about their concern for the people who are dying and the families? So when you talk about PR and lobbying, you've got to get it right. You've got to gauge where people are at, okay? Where people are at. Because if not, there's a there could be a, a, a great misunderstanding in terms of people's motives. Okay? So the important thing was um, getting the church open. Uh, but the important thing for people was, what's getting the church open is how, we, how do we cope through this? Okay? But I do also know that there was some high-level meeting with government ministers from church leaders, of which I was part of that delegation, and we talked about, you know, how do we open church safely? But not only that, we talked about what the church could do to help local government, central government, 
in ensuring that people are reassured about reopening and moving on. That is so, so fantastic. Babe, I don't know whether you got anything that you would like to add to this. Um, can see you're very pensive and, and taking it all in. Mm. I think it's quite interesting that you were saying, because one of the things that have been on people's hearts and um, there have been mentioned about the church's reopening, so it's quite interesting that you mentioned that. But then in the, the next breath, you spoke about finding out where people are at in terms of how they are feeling about what's going on around them. And I think that is a very valid point. Um, from a, a spiritual perspective, what is your perspective on, on churches reopening and how we could, we how we, in terms of the spiritual atmosphere changing, how that affects us as Christians? Because I, I know a lot of people want, saying they want to go back to church. Um, and also from a spiritual perspective, they feel that that could be a huge help um, for their local communities. So what do you think about that? I think, I think people... We're human beings, and we want to socialize. We, we, we want to interact with people. We, we, we're nearly fed up of Zoom. Zoom is a convenience. Okay? Um, it's a convenience because people could talk, at least see people and talk to people. But actually, we want to hug people. We want to laugh with people. We want to see all those nuances that a human interaction, you know, lets off because we're together. And I think that's important that we come back. But we've also got to remember that there are some people who are suffering from anxiety who are saying, I'm scared to be in a crowd. Will I get COVID-19? And particularly for those people who um, have had a dose of it, would I get it again? Would I be safe? So... It's about managing it. I know some of my friends in the Anglican churches, they've worked with some big buildings, they've been able to have 80 people back in the church, but they've all equally had 80-odd people plus watching the service online. Okay? And I think we've got to put people first. We've got to help people to get over the anxiety and the fear that they may have about um, going um, to church on a Sunday. We have to take in consideration um, when we say to people, come back to the office. Are they coming in cars or are they coming on public transport? What are the risks? And we do know, we do know speaking to the professional that there's a great deal of anxiety um, amongst people about traveling on public transport. I jumped on the train yesterday um, at Rookston at eight o'clock it was more or less empty mm. now i know that eight o'clock going to brixton it's you know it's like sardine camp <laughs> okay largely because organizations are saying we don't feel it's safe to get our people back on public transport we don't feel it's safe to get them back in the office i spoke to another guy who runs a company he says because of social distancing it's taking us twice as long to get our contracts done so there is a concern by um, companies, bosses, and there's a concern by employees. There's a concern about going to work. Um, how do they do that? Can I get it? And if I get it, do I take it back home to my family? These are massive emotional, psychological concerns. And I think what the church has to do, leaders have to do, we've got to help our members to walk it through. 
So we're given the message to say, hey, listen, you can have house fellowship. You can create bubbles and have house fellowship. And as we go along and we find it safer, um, we will more and more come together. So you're telling them, you're, you're taking and concern their fears and anxieties, but you're also saying, I'm helping us to move forward. And I think that's what people really want, that our leaders, our denomination, is really cared about us, our well-being first, and then they're looking at everything else later on as we go on. Wow, Reverend thank you very much. Uh, we're not going to ask you more questions because I know that you need to prepare for later on. Um, I just would like us pot potentially to advertise again this event that's going to be taking place in about half an hour from now. It's called Caring for the Carer Webinars. And the series of free webinars, and he's talking about the health and well-being needs of frontline workers. Um, I know we we will send the Zoom um, I, um, the Zoom link uh, very shortly to those who are listening, so they can access. Is there anything else that you would like to say to us before we let you get on with the rest of the day? Well, well I appreciate that. Um, I, I think that we cannot talk or finish a conversation without talking about George Floyd mm. Mm. Um, and the challenge that has posed. And I know that I'm speaking on, uh, um, on a Zoom meeting, a webinar meeting, I think it's next week or at the end of the month with, with CLF. Um, but I do think that it's something that all of us need to be very conscious of this is a major challenge for us as believers, as a church, because it has highlighted within the church racial division. It is highlighted that. And people in the church have seen it, but also onlookers from outside have seen it as well. And I think it's important for us to be able to um, reflect and ask ourselves, how do we re respond to it so that the gospel of our Lord Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus is seen for what it is, just, righteous, and inclusive in terms of race um, race and people? So I think that that's, that's really something which I'm saying to people that it's important that we talk about. Um, I'm speaking... In a local church tomorrow, and my theme is Is God a racist? Mm. You know, and um, it's interesting because I've been looking at church history both in Europe, here, church history, um, in, in terms of America, because a lot of us are influenced by American theology, and you know, people are asking those questions, and I think as Christians. You know, we can't leave it all to Jesus to sort out. He's given us an intellect, a brain. Absolutely. And we've got to do the reflection and be critical in our thinking. And we're critical, um, not because we're critical, but we want to be able to give an answer to anyone who asks us about our faith. And our faith is not about gentle Jesus, meek and mild. There are some real issues that we have to grapple with. And we have to articulate to people so that people will see the Jesus of the gospel. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Um, and, and his love and his passion mm, yeah. for humanity. Mm. Mm. 
wonderful. That is that. that is brilliant. Yeah. That is fantastic. So you say you're speaking at the end of the month on a board for CLF. I think Jean-Marc's going to be there as well. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Because I think it's going to be very useful for people to listen to that because we've spoken on the show about this subject. We touched upon it, but it is a very sensitive subject. Everyone, I said everyone has very different opinions in terms of this. And this is why I think it's important to talk about these things um, and be able to actually come to some kind of conclusion about it so we can actually share from the heart of God what it is as you said is your title tomorrow is is you know is God or is is racist you know but I think a lot of people have had questions in terms of that in terms of what does the gospel say about this um, yeah. are we meant to even have an opinion on this or do we just be quiet about this as Christians um, there's a lot of people asking a lot of questions because as I was saying a lot of people are still working out their identity in Christ so it's it's almost it's made people really look at their identity in Christ and then look at who they are and then from the perspective of the hurts and the pains that have taken place in their life and their experiences and exposures all of this is coming to the surface um, with everything and then they're having to then come through that and work through that so this is what I was speaking about healing um, as well taking place in terms of the, the whole thing with George Floyd that has, has, has happened and, and is taking and taking place around the world. So there's a lot in it because it's not just about Christianity, it's about individuals, it's about what we've been through and it's about our exposure, our experiences and what we're actually still possibly holding on to and we haven't really given over to the Lord. Hmm. Um, so And we haven't dealt with, and even when you think you've dealt with something, then maybe it's it resurfaces. So um, it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? I think I think it is. I think you know. I often often tell people, if I have a problem in my family, what do we do? Do we keep it quiet? Mm. You know, what do we keep it quiet? We keep things quiet because we know it's not right. Yeah. You know, when there's when there's an abuse in the family, whether physical or sexual abuse mm. in the family, everybody keeps it. Quiet. Quiet, then there's a secret, mm. um, and, and people keep it quiet and they end up with mental health issues. And then one day something happens and it comes out and yeah. it pours out. That's mm. it, it pours out. Mm. Okay, now I think that, um, we, regardless of where people stand, I, I, I've had countless of meetings with some very senior church leaders. Um, in fact, last week, this week. I was talking with the Roman Catholic Cardinal, the Bishop of London, um, Bishop of Southern, all the senior leaders. And we had a, a really good conversation as church leaders. Um, and the conversation is being had. It's being had. We, church leaders are, are talking. Good. Okay. So when we have a conversation uh, like that, it's important in a family or church, whatever. It's important that we can be open and honest. Yeah. And I tell people, look, so I'm with John Mark and, and, and Marcia, and we're talking about racism. John Marcus says, well, I've never experienced racism. You know? Marcia says, oh, once I did, but I, I, I don't believe it exists. So what about slavery? That's a long time ago. Mm. And then I said, well, actually, you know, um, I've experienced it. 
and it does impact me. And I, when I think about slavery, I feel angry. Mm. So there are three different take on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because at the end of the day, each of us needs to hear each other. Right. And if I'm saying to John, Mark, and Marcia, actually, I'm, I'm hurt. I've got pain. Mm. John, Mark, and Marcia begin to become empathetic. Mm. And they begin to listen to me and say, oh, my goodness. Um, I didn't know this. And... And they seek to understand. Mm. And so for me, um, we all have to seek to listen. So we create the space so that we can listen to each other. Mm. Yesterday, I was talking to one of my colleagues who's, who's, who's Indian, who's Asian. And we began to talk about racism. We talked about the partition, Indian and, and Kashmir and Pakistan. Mm. You know, and you know, it was interesting because this is a young man, but when he thinks about that, he feels a level of pain. Mm. He wasn't there, but he, he thinks about it and he feels it. Yeah. So, in terms of the issue of racism, um, I think it's, there's a lot of pain about it. I heard a woman in her 80s and she was screaming and, and wailing. And when we listened to her speak, she said, I've, I've experienced and I've known racism ever since I was a small girl. I'm angry. I feel a sense of rage. Come on. If someone says that, you don't say, look, no, 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 grow up. You know? You don't say that, do you? Stop being silly. We don't tell them that. We, 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 we become empathetic. Mm. So I think for me, um, the church has an opportunity yeah. to talk about it. And in that discussion, we're not saying this the discussion is going to end tomorrow. We're not going to say all of us are going to get around the table and say, amen. Mm. But I'm saying we're talking about it, we're acknowledging, we're recognizing and we are on a journey to say, okay, what can we do with this together? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So the, the talk is next week, is it? Uh, next week, Wednesday, I think, is it? 29th? Mm. Mm. Yes, I think it's the 29th. The discussion, excellent. So I, th- July. I think that's a really, something that everyone who's listening, if you can really, if you can join it, it would be really good because the, the, we've had so many discussions um, and you know sometimes people get a bit het up or a bit upset and as you say it's just there are different different things that we all need to discuss it's important to discuss these things so if you can listen in um, and join in I think there'll be an opportunity f- for questions of the, to the panel as well mm-hmm. um, so that'd be really really good so we'll send the information out for that as well fantastic Revelace it's been wonderful I don't know whether you wanted to do last comments um, you wanted to add any last comments or before we uh yeah, I, I think it really, I think the COVID-19, first of all, has, although they had over 40,000 people dying, um, I think the church has a great opportunity to minister into this nation at this point in time. And I think that it's important that we do not squander that opportunity. Secondly, I think that I call it the... George Floyd case, COVID, not 19, but COVID 20. Mm. 
I think again, it's a great opportunity for us to preach the gospel and to share the truth. The Bible says, they shall know the truth and you shall set them free. I spoke to a pastor of a very big church and he says that these young people, some of them have got become, become hot-headed. And so we're talking through, we're going to do a webinar with them about this matter. And I would just pray that every pastor, every church leader, seek to be good shepherds with their flock on this issue. Um, I was speaking to a pastor who's got two sites, and he has over 3,000 people in his church. And he said, Les, for the first time when I sp spoke to my black members of my church, all of them I've been speaking to have experienced racism. He said, all of them. And he said, Les, I asked him, why didn't you tell me? And he said, you know, I realize, although I'm a good pastor and I want to be and I try, I realize there's so much things I don't know, but I really want to know and help. And so pray for the church internally that we'll find freedom and healing and affirmation, but externally we can open our door and just come in. Because in here, you'll find Jesus that demonstrates love for you unequivocally and unreservedly. Thank you all very much. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Reverend Lays, and uh, we shall see you a bit later on in the event again. Um, just to reiterate, this um, is called, um, let me just try to put it on the screen for you guys. It's called Caring for the Carer Webinars. Started last week, there's one this week and there's one next week. Revelace, it's been wonderful to have you. Uh, Thank you. Pleasure. Still love the beard. Still love the, the goatee. Very nice on you. <laughs> <laughs> Make you <it> look young. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bless you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was Reverend Lace. Um, and uh, it's just, just an amazing person, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we have... We, we've had the pleasure of, of being able to spend time with him and his wife, Louise, and it's, it really is an honor. And they're just so humble. They're just so lovely. And they just want well, to help as many people as possible. And they just have such a love and a heart for Jesus. But mm. what I love um, about them is that they're just practical. Um, they just get on with it. It's just like, okay, as you could see, his brain was working there already about, yeah. you know, the communication. And that's what he gets an idea, something in his spirit. And he's just like, okay, of course, he'll be prayerful about it. But mm -hmm. he just, he just gets on with it. And, and, you know, it's great. It's fantastic to actually have and to have someone like that and to know, um, have the opportunity to know someone like that. Um, so it's really, really great. So whatever what he's doing um, in terms of the caring for the carers, and um, Reverend Les is doing all sorts of different things. He's always always up to something. Um, but the thing is, the caring for the carers. I think we've had questions about that. What's been what's taking place for people in terms of support for their well-being and and psychologically, um, how are people being supported? So. As um, Les was saying, that there are there are they have groups of counsellors um, who are who are willing to actually um, provide free counselling for people who are within the caring industry. Mm -hmm. So if you do know of anyone um, who is actually in the caring industry, they're frontline workers, or that you know they're working, as he said, whether it's shops or whether it, you know they're working and they're from um, the BAME groups. 
um, just please let them know about this because it's such a fantastic initiative. Um, and as we were saying sometimes, or Les said, you know, sometimes the churches, we don't really have the best PR system. Um, but, you know, this is where hopefully we can actually get the message out to different ones, different people who we know. Um, who are within the care industry and that they can get some support you know I know that I have family members who are within the caring industry and it's they've they've been going through a lot through um, COVID as he said they're very anxious um, they're you know this you know it's it's it, to a point where they don't really want to go into work um, and when they're in work they haven't had the PPE so mm. they're, they're literally just exposed um, completely exposed um, and it's taken some places they've had got the PPE, but it's taken a long time for them to get it. So, of course, they're completely and utterly open and exposed to they've been exposed to COVID-19. Um, so if you can send this information and forward it to as many people as possible, um, it'd be really, really good. And please look at the Ascension Trust website as well to see what other initiatives um, Ascension Trust are doing and what you can get involved with. Um, because, you know, um, Reverend Leslie's always is up and down the country and, and around the world. It's, a lot of people know um, Reverend Les for street pastors, but as we said, they're, they're doing school pastors and a lot, a lot more. Um, as you said, we haven't been looking, we haven't looked on the Ascension Trust website for a long time. Um, we were saying, oh, they've ups updated their website. Um, but there's a lot on there. There's a lot that they're doing. So let's let's support where we can. Fantastic. Well, um, as you said here, let's look at the news uh, to conclude with us. We wanted to get in place from the beginning because as you said, it's got an, an event taking place soon. Um, when I look at it, you know, something that's still kind of bother me a little bit is this one the singing ban on churches what's your take on it i think it's quite interesting when you when you um when because i've i've kind of looked from one perspective which you tend to i mean for me it's just like i want to go back to church um but then um and i'm looking from the spiritual perspective but of course that there is also you know you're kind of looking from the physical perspective as well but um it's interesting hearing um, Les's take on it saying, you know, of course, we, we have to consider how people are feeling. There are people who are anxious, who don't necessarily want to go back to, to church um, and will will log on online and and be involved in the services that way. And I can understand there are people who are have underlying health conditions, people who have been shel um, shielding, um, who would not um, come back to church um, and I, I thought about that as well um, the, the fact of singing I, I find it quite interesting because I was saying that once you kind of open your mouth if even if you're in conversation with someone and you're within a meter of them um, there's still going to be transmission anyway I, I suppose if you open your mouth a lot through singing then it probably would um, increase the possibility of, of the virus being transmitted um, and when you have bigger groups, of course, that is highly likely. Um, but I think even if you open your mouth in conversation, it's still kind of the same thing. Mm. Um, from a spiritual perspective, we know that singing ushers in the presence of God. Um, from a spiritual perspective, we know that it breaks strongholds. From a spiritual perspective, when we are we are praising God, we know that the heavens open. And from a spiritual perspective, we know that you know mountains can be moved and and heaven and heaven comes down 
so from a spiritual perspective the the no singing um seems seems to me i said well i don't quite understand how um government can not be so organized when it comes to um schools or when it comes to you know they they're not they haven't given i suppose every school is different but every church is different as well um so they haven't given the kind of roundabout guidelines for for going back but when it comes to specifics they they're not extremely specific they've said okay these 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 are or the guidelines that we're giving you um for for returning uh, for workplaces it's similar they've kind of given they said it's the employees um position to actually to actually employers position to speak to employees about how they would return to work but when it comes to church they're very specific um and that was my question okay why are they so specific when it comes to churches but not other areas um so it's you know we we know we we wrestle against flesh and blood you know yeah. not not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age so it's it's it would be different wouldn't it but i think as a people it's important to pray into this um as reverend les was saying he's actually sat around with people and had conversations um about um returning to church and churches opening and i think we need to pray for people like that um that we get the balance and they have the wisdom um to be able to to discern um spiritually what is is necessary in a time such as this mm. and what churches as as a, as a, as a people they're going forward and they actually have a seat at the table and they're actually giving their input into discussions such as this so i think it's important to pray for them mm. um that they are led by the holy spirit in terms of of what needs to happen spring mm. i just f- saw this you know Majority of public want conversion therapy ban Newport Farm. That is in relation to yeah. get people coming back. I know that we had two years ago. We had uh, um, um, had a guy who just made a film about it. It's called Voice of the Silence. Um, mm. It's been a couple of years ago, and he came and talked to us about his journey. Um, mm. Yeah. So he was a Christian. Um, he was having feelings of. Um, he was having a lot of feelings towards being attracted to men um he was married at the time and um he he said that he he knew that these feelings weren't correct um for him being a christian he it went against everything that the word said um so he was looking for psychologists to help him psychiatrists psychologists to help him mm. um in terms of therapy for him to be able to for these voices um and for all of this to stop because he wanted he didn't he want he wanted to remain married he didn't want to have the feelings of being attracted to other men um he went and when he went to psychiatrists or psychologists they were trying to convert him and make him believe that it's fine for him to have these feelings and they wouldn't help him to actually to not have these feelings um and they were encouraging him um in a way um to have the feelings of 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 being in, attracted to to another male um and he went around and he couldn't find anyone who would really help him so this is why he he made a film about it saying um call voices of the silent um because he then went on to find people who who had had a completely um a lifestyle of 
a, um, a homosexual lifestyle. He, he spoke to different people who then didn't want that anymore. Um, there was another person in his film who That's... was in... Uh, in the Florida shooting, which happened in, and they went into a, someone went into a gay bar and they started shooting people and, and killed quite a few people. But a person, one of the survivors from there who was gay at the time, he again um, converted back um, to, because he was a Christian as a boy, he was raised as a Christian, Christian home. Um, but then he said when he was in the shooting, the shooter was just literally there checking the bodies with the gun. And he, he remembered um, a word that was given to him as a child, um, that he would do wonderful things for Christ. And, you know, and he just prayed at the time and he, he asked the Lord to forgive him. And if he was to be saved, that he would do the work that God has spoken to him about and he would come back to Christ. And, you know, the person, literally the, the shooter was at him, he, he, but he stopped breathing. He put another body on top of him and he just stopped breathing for that time the shooter passed and then the police came in and and, and then shot everyone um, and killed the shooter mm. so he actually lived and he was then now he is with this this man and he's talking about how important because even he he said he had a backlash from the gay community when he decided to come back to, to the Lord mm. so they were supportive at first of him and um, because he hadn't decided to give his come back to the Lord and then he gave his life back and then he had a lot of backlash from the gay community so I, I'm not surprised um, about this, I, I think it's interesting because while we've been, what we discovered over the last few couple of years, last years, when I was involved with one of the events that I was taking place, is there's a higher number of people coming back uh, to the Lord or giving their life to Christ and subsequently uh, living this lifestyle um, that they had previously. So, what's taking place now, obviously there is a major backlash now because they're seeing the community a lot of people in that community just turning back away from being gay and then turning to the lord in that sense and Theresa may was wanted to ban this this therapy that was taking place in different places because of this but the government of Boris johnson as a matter of fact haven't put this as a legislation so this is something to watch out in the future and potentially we may just get this gentleman to come again and, and share with mm. us this journey not only his journey but what's been what's happening, happening since since, yeah. since we spoke to him last yeah. time as well so that's really what really kind of see what how god is still working in the heart of people you know and uh i think this is it you know you know I, i'm really really pleased that this morning we spoke to him and really kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things as well and and really as the church, as the people of God, are we can respond um, to truly to two ways ahead of us, you know, truly ways ahead of us. Are we going to finish on time today? It looks like it. It looks like it. Um, you wanted to advertise next week, twenty nine of the twenty nine of July. The let's talk about racism. Mm -hmm. Is that next week or is it the I week think it's after? Next Wednesday, yeah. It's the week after twenty ninth. Yeah, next okay. Wednesday. So, um, as Reverend Les mentioned um, about the conversation, um, lots of conversations are being had at the moment. I think there it's ongoing. I think these are conversations that, as I said, they have always taken place in secret, but now they are more public. Um, so the 
information with regards to that, there is um, CLF are hosting uh, a panel of people, including Reverend Les, um, Pastor Joseph, Jean-Marc, Afrié, who listens um, and who is a, a member of CLF as well, um, will be on the panel um, as well as other people. Um, and they will be discussing, um, as it says, let's talk about racism. And I think it's an important thing um, for us to be able to talk about. As I mentioned to Reverend Les, everyone's opinion differs because everyone's had different exposures, different experiences, but it's something um, that is it's good um, to discuss and continue discussing. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's on the 29th of July. We will send out information closer to the time on that as well. And please um, get involved. Um, there'll be time for, there'll be discussion taking place. Um, there'll be time for questions. And um, I think it's really good from different perspectives to hear different perspectives um, and what is actually taking place. Because we know that uh, I was having a discussion with my sister-in-law yesterday, who is a teacher. She's Jamaican. Um, um, so she has a very, she has a Jamaican accent. And um, so she was talking about her experiences um, coming to England and how that was. Um, and, and, you know, and she said she never experienced racism in Jamaica. She, it was only when she came here. Um, so it's quite interesting to hear people's take on it, um, but also to um, be able to discuss everything um, and have discussions about that. So we'll send the information out about that as well. Um, closer to the time. Okay, I think we're done for, for this week. Um, just to remind you, next Saturday there won't be any Revelation Hour because it will be um, refresh. a refresh mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know it's our annual uh, conference, um, so we won't be able to host the Revelation Hour, but we'll be back the week after next so i would say see you the week after next same place same time bye bye guys bless you